If life is a journey, where are you going? What's the destination? Where is it you hope to get by the time all's said and done? Well, this is Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer with the Growing Boulder founder and CEO, Mark Middleton. That destination? Well, it's not a place. It's an awareness that we achieve from within. And maybe, just maybe, in the next hour, together, we'll all get a little bit closer to that destination. You're about to hear some inspiring stories and meet empowering guests who hope to help make that happen. Thank you, Bill. And first up today, somebody that you might be familiar with. Uh, have you ever seen that TV show Hoarders on A&E or perhaps Legacy List on PBS? Well, there is no more experienced or qualified downsizing expert anywhere than a guy by the name of Matt Paxton. We all have stuff we need to get rid of, so stick around, and Matt is going to tell us how to make the process a whole lot easier. Then you'll hear what happened when the president of Columbia Sportswear died and left the company to his wife. It's a Growing Boulder classic interview with Gert Boyle on taking chances and making a difference. Also, have you ever run a 5K race? We're going to take you to one, and we'll hear from a woman who never dreamed she'd ever complete one herself. Ordinary people, extraordinary lives. This is Growing Boulder. If there's one thing we have in common, it's got to be stuff, right? We all love stuff. We collect stuff. We find places to stash it, and then we go out and we get some more. If we're unlucky, we end up on that show Hoarders and have to have someone like Matt Paxton help talk us off the ledge. And if we're lucky, we end up on that show Legacy List and have someone like Matt Paxton help tell the story of why we're so attached to it. But here's the point. We know we got to get rid of a lot of it, so how do we do it? How do we declutter? Now we can ask Matt Paxton himself. Yeah, we are joined by the king of clean, the duke of declutter, the sultan of empty space, and the hunk of junk to show us the road to lighten our load. How you doing today, Matt? I'm I'm great now. What an introduction. I feel like I'm supposed to wrestle or something now. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, let's hope you win two out of three falls because your book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff, It Should Be Required Reading for Life because we all have too much of it. We say we're going to get rid of it, and it probably, for most of us, doesn't happen until we're gone and our kids end up having to do it. Yeah, I spent the last 20 years helping the kids do it and... um, well, 25 years, really. But the last 10 years, I've noticed that mom and dad are like, no, we're going to take it. We're going to take in charge of this and we're going to do it on our terms. And part of that is the exposure that you've given the, the whole concept. Yeah. I mean, you really did a good job kind of summarizing my my career. You know, I um, I got into this because my dad, my stepdad and both my grandfathers all passed away and they all passed one year and I had to clean out four houses. And uh, that was really daunting and overwhelming. And, and the the story is my grandfather always, he said, Hey, if something sucks as a job, you should, you should do it as a job because people pay you to do it. Now, and wait a minute. That, so that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. That is, no, it was that great is, advice. that yeah. may be the best advice ever. Yeah. So say your grandfather, yeah. my told grandfather, you that- he said, if something sucks, do it as a job because it sucks for everybody else and they'll pay you to do it. 
And he was totally right. And I'm 25 years later, I'm still doing it. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And he was totally right. Because I was lost physically and emotionally. I didn't know what to do. I was cleaning out the four men that raised me. I was cleaning out their houses. So I was going through their stuff, reliving our entire past and our life and our joys and our happiness. And I missed them. And so there was just no book on like how to do it, how to tackle it. And uh, so it took me 20 years to write the book. You know, from, I had a little from, bit of experience. Yeah. From, from 30,000 feet, I mean, I, I'm sure there's part, you know, people think, we all think that it's easy and it's fun, but it's not. I mean, it can be depressing and it can be sad. And, and you went through that yourself. It can. All of those things are true. It can be sad and depressing and exciting and liberating all in the same journey. But it's a start and a finish, and it's a long journey, and it might be two weeks, it might be two years, it might be 20 years. Um, but that's one of my missions now is to really, really prove that it can be an amazing opportunity for your family to share the stories and share your legacy and really explore who you are, you know, as as a people. And I, I'm getting a bit preachy here, but like I've been doing this long enough where I really have been able to find the positive in the stuff that we have. And, uh, and so I, I really push that. I push the positive of it. All right, look, I mentioned how important the book is, how we all need it. So let's talk about a few things that we can learn from the book because another big point here, decluttering is not for amateurs. You've got to know what you're doing or the traps will get you every time. It's hard. Yeah, so I I compare decluttering to weight loss, right? And it's the two easiest things to quit. Um, Like with weight loss, you just eat some Cheez-Its, right? And it's over, right? Or you... Uh, with decluttering, you just shut the guest room door. And so you can really quit. So for a lot of these tips, it's just a, it's to trick you into not quitting because your brain will try to make you quit because it's frustrating and it's hard. Um, but your, our brains can justify quitting anything. And so a lot of these tricks are to help you just to keep going. Because once you keep going, you're going to experience those positive vibes. And then that's what's going to keep you continuing to go. Well, here's where we pull Matt Paxton out of the decluttering element and put you up as a world-renowned life coach because the things, your tips that you describe for how to declutter are the exact same things that any 18-year-old heading out to the world in life or any person who's 65 or heading towards retirement and wants to reinvent themselves needs to understand because you can't just paint with a broad brush and no goal. Your first tip, maybe your most important tip, is to pick a finish line. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah, believe it or not, so many of us get going and we're like, oh, I want to be the best. I'm going to be the best. Great. Like, what's define that for me. <laughs> what What is the best, right? And so in the decluttering purpose, people call me to say, I'm ready to downsize. I go, great, where are you moving to? And they go, well, I don't know yet. And what I found is that decluttering is really a way for your brain to avoid picking that decision where you're going to go. Because deciding where you're, if you're leaving a house that you've been in for 50 years, it's really hard to leave it. And so you don't want to decide where you're going. It's a lot like going to college. At least it was back when we went to college. And it was really hard because you didn't want to leave your family. You didn't want to leave your your friends. And the same thing at at 65 or 75 when we're time to move on. And so I really want to, I make people say, great, when you tell me where you're going, then I'll help you downsize. And they get really flustered. And um, for me, the finish line is important one, just to know it's kind of like packing for a vacation. You're not going to pack if you don't know if you're going to the mountains or the beach, right? You got to know where you're going to pack. And so some of that's just very basic. Like, do I take my couch? Do I take my bed? Do I have space for it? But what it's really about is the why, right? And the why, and this is where the life coaching comes in. I think you're right here. Why am I moving? And so why I want you to write down where you're going, and then I want you to put on 
literally I want you to put on a piece of paper, put it on your wall, your why. And what why is basically, am I moving to be closer to my adult children? Or am I moving for medical, better healthcare? Or am I moving for a better life? Am I moving for a woman? Like, what am I moving for? There's, they're all good answers, but I want you to be clear on what your why is because your why is what'll keep you from quitting. Um, I use this example all the time. I have, I have seven kids, by the way, which usually throws people. Um, the guy from Hoarders is hoarding kids is always the joke. <laughs> And, um, I have one of my, my dad died when I was, when he was 52 and I was really young and my 12 year old son the other day asked me, he said, or 13 year old son. Now he said, Hey, um, are you going to die at the same age that your dad did? And I said, what do you, what do you mean, man? And he goes, well, your dad was 52. Dad, I was doing the math. You're 47. If you die in five years, I'll still be in high school. And I said, he goes, that's, I don't, I, I want you to still be here, dad. I go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be here. Like, do you think about that? He goes, I think about it all the time, dad. I go, buddy, I'm definitely going to be there. And he goes, well, then why do you eat all that really bad food that you know is bad for you? And I, oh, I thought, geez, that's not good, right? Like he knows it's bad. He knows I'm choosing to eat it. And so he challenged me that day. He said, I want you to be a grandpa dad. And so that's my why. My why is I want to be a grandpa. I want to be around because my dad, my kids don't have grandpas. All their grandfathers passed away. And so my why is grandpa. So every time I find something that's hard, I'm working out or I want to eat something, something that's going to not be healthy for me. I think grandpa, grandpa, grandpa. So I want you to have your why when you're downsizing. What's your why? Is it health care? Is it better fitness? Is it just getting closer to your grandkids? Whatever it is, write that why down and that'll keep you from quitting when it gets really hard. We, we talk about that all the time in Growing Boulder in, in terms of people dealing with this new life stage that they find themselves in. It's, you've got to have a purpose. You know, you've got to understand yeah. why you're doing what you're doing. It goes right through this list that you're talking about. Having a purpose with cleaning up your house isn't just getting rid of stuff. It's, it's knowing why you're keeping what you're keeping. And that leads to something, again, that I think fits in the life coach thing as well. You recommend that we all create a legacy list. So Legacy List is, I love it. It's obviously the name of my TV show on PBS. It's called Legacy List with Matt Paxton. But what a legacy list actually is, is it's a list of the top five or six items that matter most in your house. Uh, and they tell your family story. They're rarely financially valuable. They're most often emotionally valuable. Um, I had one lady that we had a flag right, in her in her attic. And this lady was 80-something. And we get into the trunk, we open the trunk, it's an old steamer trunk, and it's a 44 star flag. And my brain immediately like, well, what, what are the other six states, right? And I can only get four. <laughs> and we're trying to figure it out. And we're like, how'd you get this? And she goes, oh, I don't know. It's just my grandfather's. But it means a lot to me that my grandfather did something to have a 44 star flag. And we start doing the, we start doing the research for it. And we found out that her grandfather indeed drove a train the day that Utah became a state in 1889. And he, they made a couple of those flags and, they put one on the side of his train and he end of his shift, he took it off and put it in a trunk and we found it 120 years later. Right. Um, for her, the legacy was that he was this hardworking guy that helped deliver all these amazing politicians the day Utah became a state. Right. Um, it doesn't always have to be that grandiose. It can be anything for me. It's a cookbook. I have my dad's ring and I have a, uh, a cookbook that my mom made me, but that tells my family story. And so I want you to have five items. I start small because, um, Believe it or not, those items, if you, if you write, if you make a hundred of them, well, then they're not special. But what happens is when you, and, the, and I think when you do this is more important than what you do. When you create this list at the beginning of the process, it really helps you create 
uh, five or six stories that you're then going to go tell your family. And it's going to be about your grandfather or your dad or your grandma, someone that, that helped you become who you are. And what happens is when you celebrate those stories so often, so early in the process by creating the legacy list, when you get to their Folgers can of nails in the garage, you don't have as more, it's not as hard to let go because you've already celebrated the person and what they did for your family. That's a great story. I, part of the problem that that I personally have, and I know everybody you talk to, we, we all have, have, have this issue. I'll hear a story like that and I'll think, well, I might have had that 44-star flag. That week, it wasn't worth anything. That month, it wasn't. You know, It took 50 years down the road before Matt came in and said, wow, what's this? So if I hold on to this 50-star right. flag, it's going to be worth something someday, I'm not right? letting go of anything. Ticket stubs, old watches. I mean, okay. I'm not getting rid of anything because one day I'm going to be on Antiques Roadshow and looking good. So here's a quick piece of advice on that. And um, basically, if you've seen it before, if you've ever seen it in anyone else's house or online or anything, it's probably not that valuable financially. Okay. Um, but I, I really want to back up and, and I'm so glad you led with this because so many of us get hooked in the financial value. Okay. But you don't hold on to things usually because it's financially valuable. You hold on to things because it's emotionally valuable. And, I, and if I have to take a punch. The stuff made us feel better. So I took all of that advice to then explore the downsizing side. Why do we hold on to things? Same answer. We hold on to things because we love the people that were before us and the things remind us of them. So what I'm really going to push here is um, when you decide to move, when you decide to downsize, for the most part, you've already decided you didn't want the item. But then you entertain selling it. And once you entertain selling it, you now think, oh, all right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give this away. Now I'm not going to sell it for $400 because my grandfather paid $5,000 for it in 1884. And by the way, the math and the story never adds up, right? But we start to create a way to justify not getting rid of the item because of a financial reason. And that's, that's who that's not real. You just don't want to let go of stuff because you miss the person that passed away. Right? So I want to keep coming back to, you've already decided to get rid of the item. Don't let a financial discussion take you off course. Here's another way that, that you propose I think is brilliant that helps the rubber meet the road as far as what you save and, and what you don't. It's your concept of upsizing. Yeah, I love upsizing. Give that, Look, I'm all about donation. I'm Goodwill's national ambassador, so I'm a little biased on that. Um, but I don't care who you give it to. I want you to give it away to someone or some organization that you are aligned with their mission. Now, upsizing is a little different. Upsizing is a really cool way to do it. Upsizing is to use that item for something new, right? Like um, China is a great example. Not many people, not of the, of the younger generation under 40, they don't want grandma's China anymore. And, and growing up, man, I was the last group that actually got China right at the wedding. And by the way, when I got divorced, it was still in the boxes and both of us were trying to give the, give the other one to have it because we didn't want it. We didn't need it, right? And so I've seen a lot of groups upcycle to China. They break it and then they give it to a kid's, Believe it, they break the china, they smash it all up, and then they give it to a kid's art group. And then that art group uses it to make mosaic uh, pottery and dishes. And this sounds crazy, but think about it. 
your stuff that no one else in your family wants is now being used for kids that don't have the means to create art, to create art. And then that art gets sold or given away. It has a new life. So it's an item you didn't want. And now at no cost to anybody, it's being reused and repurposed for good. And to me, that's positive all around. And so I really, I try to encourage people to do new ways to upcycle items, to really bring joy to the whole process. Nobody but Matt Paxton could make cleaning out your house of all that clutter sound like so much fun. Coming up, Bill and Matt talk about why we're all so hesitant to throw things away that we haven't seen in years. And more important, how to finally get yourself to do it. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Caring Transitions, a senior move resource to help families ease the stress of life's transitions, offering relocation, home cleanouts, and the resale of everyday household items. Locations near you at caringtransitions.com. This is Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton. And as we age, we suddenly find ourselves in a situation where less is more. We've got homes that are filled with, well, things we've collected over a lifetime. Maybe you're moving or just cleaning or downsizing or whatever. You got to get rid of all that stuff, at least some of it. There's no greater expert than the guy from Hoarders and Legacy List, Matt Paxton, to tell us how to do it. Let's get back to Matt and Bill. I think from my own experience, too, and I'm sure people will relate to this, and it's not that we collect stuff necessarily, but these are little uh, things in your life that you happen to throw in a drawer for whatever reason, and, and we we're all guilty of this. We don't live our own lives. Uh, Every single day, all I think about is what's my to-do list for tomorrow at work? What do I need to do to make sure that work gets done? And the next thing you know, the kids are grown, they're moving out, you know, you're hitting a certain age and you're thinking, maybe I don't need the big house anymore. And the next thing you know, there are all these little pieces of you that are left in these drawers you haven't looked in since the, the last time you put that item there. They're in a drawer for a reason because you don't have time to use them. Um, the one I love is the box. I'm out, it's in the back of the closet or the back of the attic. When I'm moving somebody, I find it. I go, what's in that box? And they go, oh, I don't know. I, um, I never unpacked it from the last time I moved here. <laughs> and I go, yeah. oh, how long you moved, lived here? Oh, 20 years. I go, well, so can we donate it? Well, I, I don't know. I might need it. I'm like, well, we didn't use it for 20 years. I don't think we're going to need it now. I love what you just said. I mean, we, and, and so let's, let's get even di- deeper there, right? And this, this gets really emotional. Are all these little items proof that we existed, right? Are all these little items, um, little reminders to the world that we have value, that we have self-worth? And, and I'm getting real deep here, but that's how, that's why we keep it, right? I'm going to argue your actions is what people remember, not your stuff. And I'm going to argue that a thousand times over. Um, I've been to a lot of funerals and there's, I've never been to a funeral where it's a show and tell someone holds up an item and they're like, yeah, I love my grandma, but man, this hat is so much. I'm, I'm glad she's dead. I got this hat, right? I'm yeah. being ridiculous, but that's the point. People remember how you treated them, what you did in your life. They don't remember the stuff. And, and so, I mean, I wish it was that easy, 
but but it's a fact. And so these items, I mean, I, I went through, and, and the book channels this. I mean, I went through while I was writing this book, the first half of the book I wrote, and then I fell in love with this woman. And now I had to move. And so I had written the book and had a lot of great tips, but it didn't have any emotion. And, and so I realized the book sucked because I was having a hard time moving. I was going to, I'd fall in love with this woman. We we're going to create a big family, but she was a minimalist. And I was really struggling with minimalism because I was going to have to get rid of about 75% of my stuff. I have to, I have to argue with your wife on this because there's no way that you don't deserve another pair of Air Jordans. And that's yeah. just wrong. <laughs> Got them on right now. Yep. <laughs> So Matt's, here's the deal. Matt's, right. Tell them about that. Your wife said you cannot get a new pair unless you get rid of an old yeah. pair. So we have space. We Every kid, I have seven kids. We only we live in a 2,600 square foot home, nine of us. And yeah, every kid has, a, including me, we have a four foot locker. And she's like, you can keep whatever you want in the locker. But if it goes outside of the locker, it's open game. We can all downsize it. And it's funny. Like I've given tips my entire life, but what marrying this minimalist did for me, by the way, happily married, um, it forced me to put action behind my words. And at the end of the day, did I want a bigger family that focused on uh, doing things and, and, and instead of buying things, experiences? And I will tell you from, from my, I mean, I have young kids. I mean, I go from nine all the way to 16. I have six boys, nine to 14. Um, and, and it's really made parenting better because we're not sitting spending all of our time on stuff. We're spending our time on experiences and living life and, and teaching and coaching and, and living and not just inventorying and storing and trying to get bigger, better jobs to pay for crap we don't need. Um, I'm on the extreme side of it. I, I don't suggest it's for everyone, but I will say this. It did help me really find purpose in what I do, career and living. Um, I got five shirts. I got, I do have 10 pair of shoes. I'm not going to, I'm not embarrassed about that. I love my Air Jordans. I wear them, wear them all the time. And what it's done is I've, it's allowed me to get rid of stuff that didn't matter so that I can have the nice things that I want. And, uh, and I encourage everybody to do that. Yeah. You're right. We, we have something now that, that maybe in the past, there, there's more of a reason to, to collect things and, and we, we can put everything in this. Everything. You know, Everything. I happen to love antique cars. I don't have five of them in the backyard. I like looking at them on websites. So now you're talking about collecting the stories, right? And that's what I love. And I'm glad you brought it up. Like I, one of the best ways to, to clean your house out is to tell the stories. And, that, and my book and my TV show are, are, are heavy on that piece of advice. You've got to share your stories. You've got to get them out there. So you got to have someone that cares, that listens, right? Because it's, it's frustrating to tell yourself. But sometimes you do have to just, you have to document it yourself. And so I say, look, worst case, you can do exactly. You can literally grab your phone and you can record the audio or record a video and you can show the item. There's a bunch of apps out there. I use an app called Artifacts, A-R-T-I-F-C-T-S. It's called Great Artifact, Great App. You can actually take a picture of the item. You can list it. You can tell the story. You can record audio. You can do everything. Share it with anybody. I don't care how you record it, but just tell the story because that's what lives on is the story, not the item. We don't care about the plastic. We don't care about the aluminum. We don't care about the wood. We care about the stories and the emotions behind it. And so the more you tell those stories, believe it or not, and there's a bell curve here at the beginning, the more you tell the stories, it's a little harder to let go. But when you really get used to telling the stories and you celebrate the past, you find yourself letting go of a lot more and you donate a lot more versus selling, believe it or not, because you now just want that joy to go on to someone else that'll really appreciate it. But the more you tell these stories, the, the easier it actually gets to let go of the house. And then you still have all of the stories online. You can share them with anybody. 
you're so right. It's the fear that these things, the meaning behind them, will get forgotten. It's not the thing itself. So whether you just take a picture and put the audio underneath it or whatever, just so it's saved, that's what it's all about. It's the biggest fear that I'm going to be forgotten, right? And we want every little item we have to be a remembrance that we're here. And nobody remembers the little crap. They remember how you treated them. They remember the time you spent together. And, And I just... I get really preachy here, but like you just got to spend time with people and you got to tell those stories because they'll remember you telling the story. They won't remember what the item was. You brought up another really interesting, everything you bring up is interesting, but and I, I, I'm not going to keep you here forever, but we talked about, uh, you know, donate when you can, but oh my gosh, some of the things that I go through, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'd be embarrassed to take this to a donation center. Sometimes we go overboard with that, right? We can yet. Yeah. Remember, you don't, most of these donation centers are nonprofit. Um, you don't want to cost, you don't want to pass on the cost of trash, right? Um, I have a great quick story. There was a guy, Leroy, used to work for me. Uh, he was an old homeless guy, lived in his car. He honestly preferred it. Uh, we used to try to put him in hotels and he'd be like, nope, just give me the cash. I don't want to live there. And he was, he was a funny guy. I mean, he was just a travel around the world. He, he would work for you for like six months and then he'd disappear. And he would just show back up three months later. And one day we were cleaning a lady's house and uh, she had an old shirt. It almost looked like a rag. It was torn apart. And she goes, well, I'll donate it. She said, he said, ma'am, I'm homeless. I'm not ugly. I don't need your trash. He said, please, please donate your nice clothes. And we all burst out laughing. And she's like, you're totally right, Leroy. I'm, I'm sorry. And I've taken that story with me everywhere we go. Donate the thing, your best things, the things you don't need anymore, because that's going to make a difference more than the trash. If it's trash, throw it away. Or recycle it. I mean, depending where you live, you can, if you can recycle, recycle. Um, sometimes recycling is harder than, than tossing it. But a lot of the, I mean, if you take it to 800 Got Junk or a college hunks hauling junk or any of the junk places, they're going to do all that recycling for you, believe it or not. So you don't even have to worry about that. It's, it's great advice. And I wanted to ask you a, a question about your show, too. So, you know, you're on Hoarders, which is, which is fascinating. It, the kind of show that people love these days because every week you kind of take somebody who's emotionally fragile and as delicately as possible, you kind of rip their hearts out, tear them down, yes. tear down the walls, and, and, and then rebuild them. And it's great TV yeah. because we're on the edge where anything can happen. So then you come up with this great and meaningful idea for a show, Legacy list, which is positive, it's uplifting, features older people telling great life stories. And of course, no TV networks wanted at first. Nobody. 37 networks turned us down. So yeah, so my, and, and, I, and look, we're on Growing Boulder here, right? So, I mean, you get it. So I went out there and I said, I mean, I had, I had gotten A&E, their only Emmy nomination, you know, and I was like, definitely gonna, I know A&E will want it. And 37 networks said no, one network asked if, uh, if there were any attractive granddaughters that would fight over the stuff. And I laughed and I said, I'm sure there is, but that's not what the show I want to make. And at the end of the day, I was determined to make a positive show about aging Americans. And I'm going to tell you, as a storyteller, that's where the best stories are. Believe it or not. I mean, we're going to lose in the next 30 years, we're going to lose some of the most amazing stories that ever existed. If we don't get them down on paper, we're not ever going to hear them again. And so I was really determined to do that. And one buddy of mine said, hey, have you thought about public television? And I said, no, is there any money in it? And he said, absolutely not. There's no money in public television, but you'll get to make the show you want to make. And and he was right. And I'm happy to say we just got nominated for our second Emmy nomination for this show uh, because it's a positive show. And I think we're at a time in the world where people need positivity more than ever. And I, I say, watch that show. It's called Legacy List with Matt Paxton. You will want to call your mom afterwards. You're going to want to write your stories down. You're going to want to share those stories. 
and you're going to want to clean your house out. It's, it's pretty awesome. Like positivity, once you give into positivity, it's like all you can do, right? It's the most addictive. Positivity is the most, the best thing I've ever been addicted to. I'll tell you that I've been addicted to a lot of things and positivity is the best. And I just love doing it. And that's why I love this job. I tell everybody, if you're listening right now, you have a chance to go through your home and share your family history, share your family story for generations to come. You do it from the heart, Matt. You though it didn't start out with a business plan. It started out because you put your heart out there. I, I tried to be a millionaire on a lot of different businesses, and I failed every time. And when I gave in and just said I'm going to help people, that's when I was able to be secure financially, and and that's when life really just worked out. And so I, I kind of just focus on helping people. But I'm telling you, man, if you're sitting at home right now and you know you got to go through your house, you got to change your mindset. The mindset's got to be, oh God, this is going to suck. The mindset is, okay, this is an opportunity to share some really good stories. And you're going to start small, like start with one story, one item. You can do it, but I promise you, if you change your mindset, it does get better and actually becomes a joy. And you'll be disappointed when it's over. And, I, and I, people think I'm crazy when I say that, but I promise you, it'll, it'll be one of the better things you've done with your life if you, if you go into it with the right mindset. It's it's very inspiring, and it's something we all need to do. How, how about you, Matt? You're you're kind of you're closing in on that that fifty mark, you know, the half century mark, where where you'll be flipping past it soon. How how are yeah. you different now than you used to be? I mean, uh, well, how do you how do you face uh, you know what's coming? How, how are you excited about it? Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. I mean, I've failed enough that like I know life's going to be okay, <laughs> and so like now I can take bigger swings. Um, but I was, look, I'm a dad. I mean, I'm a dad first. Like that's my whole life, and I love it. And I love being a partner to my wife. But um, yeah, I was kind of a jerk, and for a long time, I really was. I mean, I was a jerk in my 20s and my 30s. I was very selfish, and um, now I kind of can't wait. I mean, like I don't know what's going to happen, but I have enough maturity and experience to know something cool's going to happen. I just don't know when, and it's not my call when. Life will tell me when. And so I'm just kind of hanging on for the ride. Let's see what happens. And um, and if I get to if I if all I get to do is help a lot of people between now and whenever something cool happens, then it's still a pretty good life. Um, and I get to eat ice cream on Fridays, so like life is good. You know, I'm I'm finally getting healthy at a late point in my life. I'm I'm now really enjoying getting healthy. Um, but I love ice cream. I can't stress that enough. If anybody ever sees me, buy me, don't buy me a beer, buy me an ice cream. <laughs> and, uh, I just find joy in everything now because I've, because I've met with so many of you, your viewers, and your listeners that I know there's some really incredible stories out there. And so that's for me, that's what just keeps me going. And I just kind of got to, instead of trying to create that story and try to be the hero, I've learned you just got to kind of chill and let the story come to you. And then you'll hear the story and who cares who's the hero is. It's just the story. The journey is what's so awesome. So I, I love it. I got, I got an amazing life and um, I just want to see my kids grow old. You know, I think like everybody else. And so I just try to create a place for that to happen. It's great. There's so much in what you deliver that relates to so many of us. And it's hard to find things that we have in common these days. We're all about things that divide us. But you are you are right down the line on things that we all go through. So we choose to talk about negative things or we choose to talk about positive things. I'm telling you all, let's choose to talk about positive things. And that's what I did on TV. And look, I was on TV for 16 years with hoarders and it's a hard 16 seasons, about 10 years, but it was, it was, it was a hard living. It was hard. It was, it was overwhelming. And then now I'm, I made a really hard effort to push into positive entertainment. And I got to tell you, it's, it's never been more enjoyable. And the first two seasons have been nominated for an Emmy. So people agree. 
you know. You're hitting the ball right in the sweet spot. So it's time for a takeaway now. What, what, what do you hope the moral of the story is, the lesson learned? What, what is the message that, that you want to leave us with? Tell, tell one story. Pick one item in your house. Tell a story to somebody in your family tonight. If you do that, I promise you. And if you don't have an item, tell them what your first job was and what you got paid. You're going to start a conversation. And if you're looking for a purpose, remember, find what sucks and step right in because there's a need. (laughs) I think this whole retirement at 65 thing is ridiculous. I think most of my buddies that are retiring are bored to death. And I got a lot of them starting new businesses and helping people. And don't be afraid. You got knowledge that no one else in the world has at 75, at 85. There's a lot of people listening that are just sitting at home with knowledge that no one else has. Get out and share that knowledge and you'll be amazed how exciting it is and how fun it is. And you'll help somebody and you'll really dig it. It'll give you a purpose. Lots of information and just as important, lots of inspiration because that very often is what it takes to get things done. This book's awesome. It's called Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff. Even if you don't read it, which you will, at the back of the book here, there's a list of like the top 100 items Matt gets asked about the most. He lists them here, tells you what to do with them, how to get rid of them, etc., etc. So, all right, let's get our legacy list together and start on that as soon as possible. Great chat with Matt Paxton. Up next, she became the president of Columbia Sportswear when her husband died and left it all to her. But would confidence and passion make up for a lack of experience? It's a Growing Boulder Classic with Gert Boyle, up next. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Calibrate. People who can't lose weight are often focused on willpower instead of biology. The Calibrate Metabolic Reset combines GLP-1 medication, one-on-one video coaching, and a holistic curriculum to help members lose 15% of their body weight on average. And Calibrate guarantees results. More information at joincalibrate.com. This is Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer, and we're going to take you back in time now to a true pioneer, a woman who became a phenomenally successful and highly respected business leader. And what a life she led. She escaped the Nazis. She never backed down from any man. And she turned the outdoors industry from niche to mainstream, all while supporting women's rights and living life with a great sense of compassion and humor. She died at the age of 95, but here she is in her Growing Boulder Classic. Every day. I tell you something, there are just some things that you have to do. It was either going to be poverty or I was going to work it out. So I decided to... While I was working it out, at least I was getting a paycheck. You know, Gert, panic can make the bring the best out of us or the worst. You know, sometimes we freeze up, we make bad decisions, big mistakes. You took the bull by the horns here, and of course we know now how successful Columbia is, but I, it didn't happen overnight, did it? No, it didn't. But you know what else? I didn't do it by myself. It was We have an incredible team of people that work with us, and if you have a group of it takes young people to come up with very good ideas and so on and so forth. I just criticize them. I don't come up with the ideas. We're good at that, aren't we? But uh, uh, it it takes it takes a, a team. You know, the word team doesn't have an I in it, so you got to work together. 
Gert, you are obviously a, a fantastic leader. I mean, and it's great. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell me that again. You, you are <laughs> so obviously a fantastic leader. But, you know, it's very obvious, A, you're a woman, and, and B, you're not a young woman anymore. That, that's a double whammy in today's corporate environment for many cases. How much more difficult has it been for you because you're a woman and because you're not a 30-year-old woman? Well, I think it was probably more difficult being a woman because – Old people, they forgive you for no matter what you say. <laughs> but being a woman, there's no forgiveness. But then I always remind people that, you know what? You raised you, your mother or your father. So don't give me that. You, you know? You take advantage of, of, of the, the fact that people forgive you when you're older, don't you? Well, I mean, that, that's kind of nice thing. No matter what you say, they say, well, you know, she's old. She probably didn't mean that. <laughs> You know, Gert, you have, nice. what what do you find when people do hear your age and they're meeting you for the first time? They 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 tend to underestimate you, don't they? Well, I mean, they say, gee, I didn't know you were that old. And I said, I know you thought I was older. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I think age is in, in the mind of people. There, I know a lot of people who are a lot younger than I am that are older than I am mm. mentally, I think. They... It's it's a challenge every day, and if you stay busy and you um, you know you interact with a lot of younger people, which also helps, you know. And if you have a reason to get up in the morning, that that's the most important. I think there are a lot of people who have retired and they have nothing to do, and it sort of uh, their mind also becomes retired, and that's bad. You know, Gert, you have had a very successful media. Uh, persona, if you will. Back in 1984, you became Columbia's tough mother in, in a nationwide ad campaign. That's right. Uh, what, was there any concern in your organization or, or from you about letting hunters and sportsmen know that, uh, can I call you a little old lady, that a little, <laughs> that a little old lady was in fact running one of the world's top sportswear companies? Right. It didn't bother me one single bit because you know what? I make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> you know? And at first, there was the advertising agency came up with it, and it concerned me sometimes the kind of words they put into my mouth, because after all, I'm the one that has to take the brunt of it. You, you know. Then you again, know. though, Gert, these ads have been unbelievably successful. What, yes, they have. It, what's yes, they this? have, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Why, why have they worked? Do you think? Because they're different. You know, you look at most ads of. Uh, uh, companies, the outerwear companies, sportswear company, and they have these young, gorgeous people entwined with one another. And um, first of all, you'd have to probably take your skis off before you could do what they show in the pictures. <laughs> and then there's this little old lady like me that calls it, hey, you know what? Do it because I said so. You know, it's it's just a different uh, campaign, and thank goodness it's been successful. Matter of fact, we... We're represented in 72 different countries, and they all like the ads. We make them all have the same ads as we do here. Boy, and that's unusual to have an ad that actually travels cross-culture like that. It, it, it speaks to your the, the, the power of your message. and then the... Yeah, I mean, the advertising, strange as it seems, really works. I have, no matter where I go in the world, and I've been in Africa and everywhere, and the most question that is asked is, is that tattoo really real? <laughs> and I always tell me, you're never going to find out on the first date. <laughs> How do you stay in shape? Tell us what you do other than work. Oh, I, I go swimming three times a week, and if you would see me, and I'm not that great of shape. 
I eat and um, I have a good time. And like in uh, another week, I go for five days to Australia, New Zealand, and do a sort of a gig. Wow. Well, let's stick on the subject, Gert. How does getting older? How is it different than you thought it was going to be? Well, I expected all the little, when I get up in the morning, all those little pegs to fall in the same slot. They don't always <laughs> do that. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know what? It, I really, I never thought about getting older, how it makes you feel. It, it, it slows you down definitely when uh, you chase your grandchildren. You know, it doesn't go that fast anymore. And you're not the first one in the pool anymore either when you're old. But it isn't bad. It, uh, uh you know? She was awesome. Gert Boyle, man, she really was one in a million. You know, as we said, she passed away in 2019 at the age of 95, but what a person, what an inspiration, and what a life well lived. See, you never know who you're going to impact just by being a positive example, and that's something you see time and time again at running events all over the country, particularly in Central Florida at Track Shack races. There's so many stories to tell, especially in the growing Boulder Division powered by Florida Blue Medicare. Here's Mark. When we first announced the Growing Boulder Division in the Track Shack Running Series, Sarah Noradine shared the reason that Florida Blue Medicare got involved. Our mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. As Sarah witnessed firsthand the power of the running community to change lives, she was inspired to run herself. And that chain of inspiration quickly reached her colleague, Nancy Walco. And I saw an interview that you did with Sarah, uh, one of my colleagues, and um, she's going through this health journey as well. And I just, she was inspirational, the the whole interview was, and I decided I'm going to do that. I've been a caregiver for five years, and when you care for others, sometimes you kind of take the wheels off and you're not really concentrating on your own health. So I needed some self-care, and um, I decided to do this. She circled the Park Avenue 5K on her calendar and began training, walking, riding her bike, lifting dumbbells, changing her diet, and inspiring everyone around her. The unfortunate part is that now when I chase her around the house, I can't catch her. So that's a bummer. But no, I'm really proud of her. She's doing quite well. Are you nervous? I'm very nervous. I'm nervous because I just want to make sure I I finish it. You know, I'll probably do some walking and running at the same time, but we're going to have a great day. Runners, Like all Track Shack events, the Park Avenue 5K includes runners, joggers, and walkers of all ages and abilities. Everyone with their own story, their own motivation to get moving, and everyone supported by one another. Lauren entered with Nancy so she could encourage her every step of the way. While the world-class athletes race for the glory, it's back in the pack in the sea of inspiration that lives are being changed, diseases being confronted, setbacks being overcome, and healthier, happier futures being created. Every finish line is a victory, and Nancy Walco, in her first race ever, has plenty to celebrate. I did a 5K in less than an hour, and this is my first race ever, so I'm happy. <laughs> and you got to be proud of what she's done. I'm so proud. I almost teared up because I know that feeling of running your first race or doing something you've never done, and it's scary and it's exciting. 
And I'm so proud of her because I feel like now she's going to be willing to try other new things and push herself, and that's what it's all about. I've lost 74 pounds now, so that's amazing, and um, and I'm just on this journey. I'm, I'm healthy, I'm energetic, I have more energy than my husband knows what to do with, <laughs> and um, I'm enjoying life. I'm going to be 60 years old um, this year, and so um, on my 60th birthday, I want to do something bigger, bolder. <laughs> To, uh, to continue on my journey. Folks, did you get that? Nancy Walco is just more proof that it is never too late to start your journey to wellness, to health, and to vitality. She's not an athlete. She's just someone who was determined to take charge of her own health and her own future and to increase her chances of living a long and active life. Track Shack races feature the growing Boulder Division for participants 40 and up, powered by our friends from Florida Blue Medicare. All right, up next, do you want to live a life to the fullest? Record-setting distance swimmer Diana Nyad says you need to remember three things. This is Growing Boulder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. Bill and Mark with you here on Growing Boulder. You know, we all want to live life to the fullest, but we all get busy. We forget. We fall into routines where the days and the weeks fly by before we even notice. World record-setting distance swimmer and journalist Diana Nyad has ways to keep that from happening. Three things, as a matter of fact, that she believes are your key to a great life. Just three things you need to keep in mind to get the most out of every day. Here's Diana. So I want to be awake and alert and alive every waking minute of the day. When I was younger, that was all about drive and success and ego. As I've gotten older, to take my dog to the beach at the sunrise and look out at the curvature of the earth across the ocean, that is a a fine way to spend an hour. I want to be awake, alert, and alive. That's my message. And I think most people, when they live that way, they're happier. They, They achieve more. And, and they go through life with some sort of purpose. Diana Nyad says, be awake, alert, and alive, and the rest takes care of itself. So let's take a moment and focus on the alert part of that, because it's time for the founder and CEO of Growing Boulder, Mark Middleton, to tell us, Mark, what is on your mind? What should we be alert to today? Well, you know, what's on my mind now, Bill, is after listening to your interview with Matt Paxton, which uh, was very interesting, uh, is about downsizing. You know, it's about transitions. And I bring that up because, uh, folks, we've got a new partner, Caring Transitions. And what they do, Bill, is they, they help primarily older adults, but really anybody navigate their way through all of the life transitions that, you know, are ahead for all of us. 
And it's really kind of interesting and very important because we now have this new life stage that is longer than ever. We've talked about it on this program before. Many people are now living a longer period of time post-retirement than they did in their actual career. This is an opportunity for more than one transition. Are you going to relocate? Are you going to get rid of your stuff? Are you going to sell mom's things? What are you going to do? And Caring Transitions helps people do that. Uh, And I don't really want to necessarily talk about them today, but I do want to talk about what it takes to be able to navigate transitions. And Bill, this is something you and I have learned from our interviews with active centenarians. It's something we learned from Gert Boyle in our conversation with her years ago. You got to accept change. You got to go with the flow. You can't fight it because it's going to keep happening. And the people that are successful, the people that are happy as they continue to age are those that can adapt to change. They can accommodate the change and they can find a way to keep smiling. And one of the best ways to see that visually is all the stuff that we all collect over a lifetime. And people say, well, I don't want to throw that away. Uh, And in many cases, it's things we haven't looked at in 30 and 40 years. But the stuff is not the memory. The memory is the memory. The stuff weighs us down. It keeps us in the past and prevents us from moving forward into really enjoying the moment, the present. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it in your interview, less is more. Almost when we get rid of things, we tend to focus more on the stuff that we didn't get rid of because we realize the value of it. We found the value of it. I found a ring that my great-grandfather left to my grandfather, left to my father, left to me. Uh, It's engraved 1895, and I'll tell you about it later. We don't have time now, but I've never really looked at it until I started to consider getting rid of it. And now I look at it every single day because it is really, really something cool. So uh, yeah, folks, transitions are important and learning how to navigate them is a critical life skill. Keep the meaningful stuff, learn how to shed yourself of the things that weigh you down. And you know what? Before you know it, you'll be growing bolder. See you again next time. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. So much older